You're listening to What She Said, a podcast about blogging, creativity and life online hosted by me, Lucy Lucraft, a freelance journalist and blogger based in Brighton. Hi Dave, welcome to the podcast. Hi Lucy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Um, So, you're the third, well fourth I suppose technically, man to be on What She Said. I feel quite privileged. (laughs) It's pretty exciting. Um, So Dave and I met when Rotterdam, but you've been listening to the podcast for quite a while. So I sort of knew you online because of that. Um, And then we met in real life at the Traverse Conference. Yeah, it was a Traverse. Um, But I have been listening since the very beginning. Yeah, you have. How did you you even find it? Have you? Yeah. (laughs) We kind of move in the same circles, don't we, I suppose, because um, you're a travel blogger. Yes, I suppose there's that travel blogger crew. They're always at the same events and the same conferences, that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, So, actually, we've jumped in, but let's take it back a little notch. Um, And can you please introduce yourself and tell everybody um, about your blogging journey so far, who you are, what you share online, all all that kind of jazz. You know the score. Yeah, so my name's Dave and I blog at Man vs. Globe. Um, I suppose I initially started blogging when I took a, a long backpacking trip to South America. I suppose that's the way that a lot of travel bloggers start. Mm. They're kind of away traveling and decide to start blogging to let family and friends at home know kind of what they're up to. Um, so I started doing that. It lasted about a month, I think, because I realized that I just didn't want to spend my time writing when I could be out exploring a new city or meeting new people. Mm. So it didn't last very long. Um, and it was the kind of thing where, I know a lot of other travel bloggers say this, where you're just writing kind of your day-to-day things, not of any interest to anyone really apart mm. from your family and friends, or maybe not even of interest to them, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but then when I got home, um, I had a couple of months where I didn't have a job. I was kind of looking for work. So I just decided to start blogging. Um, I'd been following quite a lot of travel bloggers while I was away and I kind of interacted with them on Twitter, on Instagram and that sort of thing. And I kind of liked the community, so I decided that I wanted it was something I wanted to do. Um, but I'm not a writer as such. I've always hated writing. It was more somewhere to put my photos and kind of just talk about my experiences a little bit. So I've been blogging now for about two years. It was two years last week, actually. Oh, my goodness. Happy blogiversary. Thank you. That is a quick, quick kind of rise to, I was about to say rise to fame, but that doesn't sound quite right. But in that time, <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, like you're, you've are you become very respected in the industry, like really quickly. And I think you won an award within the first year of blogging. Not that it should be all about awards, but I think it's, yeah. it's good to celebrate that. Yeah, so I think it was after about a year and a half I won Lonely Planet's Travel Blog of the Year. That's amazing. Which was which was insane. I really wasn't expecting that. But then I suppose there's awards just flying about left, right and centre, isn't there? So every blogger can now call themselves an award-winning blogger. And they don't necessarily mean a lot because... <laughs> yeah, I it's know. Kind of, it's whoever's selecting that, you're, you might be the best that they've picked. Mm. But like when I won this award, I suppose... I thought there's hundreds of other bloggers that I think do a better job than me. It just happened that people selecting decided on me instead of them. 
Well, that's very humble of you, but um, <laughs> you've. But there's also, you know, the other stuff. You go. You've gone on press trips and and in the travel blogging circles, which I'm kind of still a part of. In that, I've got a lot of my best friends are all travel bloggers, and that's how I've met them. You are well respected in the industry, I would say, by both PRs and agencies, and yeah, other travel yeah. bloggers. I think a lot of that's just getting yourself out there, kind of going to events, meeting mm. other bloggers, and then they'll put you put you forward for things or recommend you. So I think it's more just kind of getting your face out there than anything else. Yeah, and it's funny because I was talking to somebody. I've never been good at that. I really, really don't like any of that sort of stuff. Um, and I was talking to somebody for the podcast earlier, uh, Kat Horrocks, who is the creative introvert. And we were saying that networking as an introvert can be it can be a bit futile. So for me, yeah. when I when I network, when I'd go to these blogging events, I would either not go because I'd just be too traumatized or, or I would walk in and then walk out. Or when I started to make friends, I would just speak to them. And that is literally all I ever do now is just speak to my friends. I don't speak to anybody else. I don't network. <laughs> I kind of do the same though. I can remember going to my first event. I just kind of stood in the corner and didn't speak to anyone because like all bloggers, I'm a bit of an introvert. I think mm. it's a kind of common thing that we all share. Um, I think on my first event, one person spoke to me got friendly with them and then at the next event they were there so they introduced me to more people and it kind of built up from there I suppose. What was the turning point for you from when you because I know you still have a full-time job at the moment you work in in science labs don't you? Yes well I was working in the science lab I was a chemist Um, at the moment I just sit behind a desk looking at numbers all day (laughs) so so I suppose my blog's a bit of a creative outlet just to kind of get away from the mundanity of looking at numbers. (laughs) Um, but what at what point did it turn into something that you knew well would be more than just a hobby because you know you go on press trips and you I don't know if you work with brands actually you don't really work with brands do you no not really I get kind of emails every so often but Mm. I tend to ignore them unless it's a brand that I like yeah so I don't really do it much but I suppose it's kind of it was only the last maybe six months that things have started to happen more with my blog because mm-hmm. until then it was just something I do part time and it's kind of I think it's the last six months or so it's kind of taken over to the point where I'm working on my blog all the time before work after work that kind of thing wow. but I don't know why what the turning point was it just all of a sudden I started getting emails all the time and there's no re- rhyme or reason to it it just happened I think I mean I think there probably is a bit of rhyme or reason to it in terms mm. of when I think you're right that when you get your face out there and when people and Traverse said this in the first episode of series two I think um or well, not first episode one of the episodes in series two and they said you know a lot of the time um if if you're not being invited to stuff it's just because nobody knows about you and yeah. that, and it is frustrating I think sometimes but it's not it's not a it's not a democracy in the sense that there is some blogging god out there who's looking at everybody at the same level and and checking oh you've got this much more traffic and you're this this much better writing etc etc it's kind of some of lots of parts isn't it yeah i suppose so like i suppose a lot of prs don't just look at numbers they'll might pick you because they think you're kind of on brand for them you create content that they like yeah and i think um 
it kind of grows if you work with one person they'll recommend you to someone else and it's a bit of a snowball effect really from there yeah i think so too and when you've when you've proven yourself to one person um and you get a good reputation which you have then people have people have more confidence don't they yeah, I suppose if you can deliver what they want, mm-hmm. they're happy to pass you on. Because I think as the Traverse guys were saying, PRs talk to each other. So yeah, totally. if you do a good job, they'll pass on your details. And likewise, <laughs> like as in, and vice versa. So oh, if yeah, you do okay. a bad job. Yeah, I've always been I've always been worried of getting onto people's um, blacklists, but never mind. Oh, it's, yeah. it's something that constant, I constantly worry about. Do you? Living on time. Because I suppose if I'm working all day, I don't want to come home and, bash out a blog post for yeah. the next day or something like that so it's just kind of having to keep in contact with someone let them know you can't deliver on time and that sort of thing oh yeah oh I always worry about stuff like that I'm glad somebody else does too so one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was your incredible travel photography I oh, think thank you. you do travel photography like nobody I've ever seen and especially for somebody who is relatively new to travel blogging and also isn't you know, a full-time travel blogger or a professional in quotation marks. What are your top tips for that? Oh, for tips for street photography, it's quite, I find street photography quite tough, even though it's the thing that I'm most passionate about. Mm. Um, I don't like the kind of traditional street photography of like, I suppose traditional street photography is taking candid shots. You've got the camera at your hip, mm. kind of taking pictures without people knowing. I always feel a bit weird about that, especially knowing that I'll be putting the photos on Instagram or my blog. Um, kind of feel like I'm stealing a shot from someone and then putting them online. So what I like to do is kind of walk around with my camera out, make it obvious that I'm taking photos. Then you can kind of see if someone's if someone's shying away, you know, not to say the photo, if they're not bothered, you can just snap away. But the thing I do most is just walk around with a smile on your face, talk to people. Um, if you talk to someone for ten minutes, they're probably more likely to say yes if you ask them to take a, if they can take a portrait. Um, like a good example, I've just I've just put a photo diary on my blog of Jodhpur in India. Yeah. Um, I've got some of my favorite photos of some that I took of a marching band there. Uh-huh. Um, I just found them outside my hostel. They were just sat having lunch after practicing so I went over asked them what was going on if there's a festival that sort of thing spoke to them for about 10 minutes and after that they were all happy to smile and have their portraits taken I think as soon as I took one portrait everyone that was there kind of asked me to do the same thing for them yeah I bet it's kind of just yeah you just have to smile and be chatty to people really and it kind of everyone's open for having their photo done I find uh, travel photography really hard. I always have done. And especially, I kind of nailed my style a little bit like later on, um, but it took me a really long time. And portraits, I've always found really, really difficult to do. Really difficult. And I don't think I would ever go up to somebody and speak to them. <laughs> I'd be way too scared, <laughs> even in India. Because like in... Europe, I find it really hard to do because I yeah. find people a bit more kind of cagey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They Whereas, are. like, when I was in India, more because you find in India, did, uh, did you find a lot of people kind of come up and take your photos? Yes, all the time. Everybody's so yeah. friendly and, yeah. So you'll maybe say yes to one person and you'll have a queue of people waiting to take your photo. Yeah. <laughs> but I think because of that kind of culture there, people are happy to pose for a photo for you as well. Yeah, that's true. So, it depends on the country because in Europe it's really hard to get someone to pose for you or 
a lot of the time even talk to you. Yeah. Take a picture of them. Oh, yeah, I found, yeah, I wouldn't even attempt it. But, yeah, you're so right. And I remember when I was in Myanmar, um, people were, because when I went, it was 2014 or 15, there really weren't many tourists there at all. And um, they were really excited to see tourists and super friendly and wanted to, um, like, just, just come and talk to us. So we posed for a lot of pictures <laughs> yeah, exactly. but if you've posed then someone's going to be they're going to have to say yes to you if you're going to ask for a photo as well yeah that's a good point <laughs> uh, when i was i started doing a lot more portraits when i was in sri lanka because i was with i was with a guide like a guy drove us from mm-hmm. one city to the other and he was saying it's really easy to take photos of people here because um it's like the sri lankan culture everyone's mm. kind of open living big families so there's no privacy really that people are a lot more a lot less cagey so if you ask for a photo someone's always going to say yes oh yeah i never thought of that it's such a different culture isn't it yeah i found sri lanka to be crazy friendly as well just oh i loved it i love i love yeah, sri lanka in india amazing if you've ever listened to the podcast before you'll have heard me mention the blogger course and for good reason too Monica Stock created the Travel Hack back in 2009, and since then she's become one of the most respected travel bloggers in the UK, if not the world. She's worked with a gazillion brands, and she even has her own suitcase, which is amazing, by the way. Over a series of weeks, Monica shares tips on creating video content, branding, writing, and the dreaded niche. (laughs) In fact, this was such a game changer of a chapter for me that I went from thinking I was just a travel blogger to knowing that I am something completely different and that I have a super tight niche. It really, really changed my blogging life. The course isn't the only thing that you'll get as all chapters are available for audio download and when you join, you become a member of the Private Blogger Course Facebook group where members share tips, tricks and opportunities too. Monica also gave members of the course the chance to join her on a press trip this year. In fact, I think they've been on two blogger course weekenders with Wow Trip, um, and there's more to come. So that's a pretty cool opportunity, and it's not one that I've seen with any other course. If you want to sign up, head to thebloggercourse.com today and get 20% off with the code WHATSHESAID. That's 20% off with the code WHATSHESAID. We're going to Goa in January, actually. Oh, Mm. well, I'm planning on going next year as well. Are you? Yeah, because I loved India so much that I just I want to go back and see a bit more of the country. Yeah, and it's so big, isn't it? So so big that you just yeah. I was in there for like two and a half weeks, so I saw oh, wow. about it. You just scratched the surface, so I want to go back for. Uh, at the moment, it's going to have to be short trips, but I'm going to keep going back. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's definitely one of those places. That just, like it properly gets under your skin. Oh yeah, completely. Because well, I wasn't sure at first. It's like you know when you first arrive in a country and you it's a slight culture shock I suppose mm. but not a major one and we started in Delhi so it was kind of a bit hectic see, and yeah. it's hard to love but it kind of yeah creeps under your skin doesn't it yeah definitely and I've got a bit of a theory about India as well um from a tourist point of view um it's one of those places that while you're because I was there for about six months so where, while you're actually there you don't necessarily love it you're not like every minute of every day, oh my God, this is the best country I've ever been in. Because it is a, it's a culture shock and it's also, it's quite um, aggressive on your senses in a good oh, way really, yeah. and, a, and a bad way. But when you leave, whenever you tell people, 
if, if somebody says, oh, I'm going to India, or what do you think about India? You'll be like, oh my God, it's the best country in the world. And you <laughs> completely, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it, I think it's just so diverse and food's fantastic. And, oh yeah. The oh, there's just too much to love about it. Yeah. What was your favorite part of India? Um, because I only went to uh, Rajasthan. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see a lot, but Jodhpur was my favorite place I visited. Awesome. But it was more because when I was there, there was a few festivals going on. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, there was a bit of a party atmosphere. I really, really, really loved Rajasthan. I really loved Rajasthan and especially Pushka. I loved Pushka. I wasn't too keen myself. Really? Interesting. <laughs> no, it was fine, but it was, um, I think... There's a lot of backpackers there. It's just um, very yeah. kind of touristy. So everywhere you went, it was just, um, do you know, like, I don't know. I don't want to offend anyone, but do you know, like, um, faux hippie backpackers? Elephant pants. Yeah. yeah. So when people were just <laughs> trying to watch the sunset, they'd just be playing music on the phones, oh, doing no. juggling and things. And you're just like, oh, oh God, that's you just annoying. want to sit and enjoy yourself. But there's... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want to offend anyone for saying like fire hippies, but no, do you know no. what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. And I think actually it's really interesting that you say that because when I was there, I I was one of those people, except that I wasn't really, I wasn't elephant pants or anything like that, but I was a backpacker then. Well, I don't, there's not necessarily that that I mind. It's when it's like, do you know they were like backpacking? You, do you know if you heard that term? No. So it's like backpackers that kind of, go to a city and they'll be like selling things on the street to make money for kind of their onward travels. Oh my God. So they were kind of hanging around outside shops of actual people in Pushkar selling the same things. Oh my God, that's so inappropriate. I know, that's what I thought. So they kind of put a kind of sour taste in my mouth. Oh my God. Yeah, that's gross. No wonder you didn't like it. No, there was none of that when, when I was there at all. Um, but, ha, huh, that's really interesting. I've never heard that term. It was kind of rampant when I was there. But um, it was a nice, it was a great city. There's, mm. like, a lot to see, a lot of cool cultural things to see. But, it, yeah, that just kind of soured it a little bit. Oh, that's such a shame. Oh, well, you should go back when there's the Camel Festival because oh. I feel like it's not as many people then. Yeah, I'd love to go for the Camel Fair. It looks amazing. yeah. yeah. Even though I don't like camels, I still kind of want to go. <laughs> Does anyone really like camels? <laughs> I'm sure to do. I, yeah, I know. Well, some people seem to, but they're so disgusting. I don't know. They're just smelly. But I'd love to go for just for the like to take photos. Just it'd be a really good photography trip to go for the yeah. camel fair. Just see everyone in their dressed up in their gear and all the camels decorated and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be so beautiful. So speaking of photography, have you always been? a keen photographer? No, not at all. Um, I think it's like when I went to South America, I bought kind of a cheap mirrorless camera that gave up on me about three months into the trip. Um, but in the three months that it was actually working, I kind of started taking some pictures and enjoyed taking some pictures, to, enjoyed taking pictures of people. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I just really quickly got into it. Um, and I think it was, wasn't was until I saw the photos I'd taken, I thought, oh, maybe I could get a bit more into this. So when I got a new job after coming back, I bought a camera with the money. Um, and I'm still using that camera now, actually. So I'm just kind of trying to progress, trying to get a bit better, little by little. I think you're brilliant. You're such a good photographer. You're such a good photographer. Oh, thank um, you. What are your favourite, what are your top tips for photography? Because I, <laughs> so someone like me, I... 
and very, very comfortable in, um, so on a Canon, it's AV mode. So basically aperture mm. priority mode. And then I think on a Nikon, it's TV. I'm not really sure. I can't remember. But basically, it's uh, the depth depth of field mode. That's yeah. my favorite. That's pretty much how I'll comfortably take all my pictures. I don't want to know about shutter speed. I can't be can't be doing with... I do sometimes shoot a manual. Yeah, I do sometimes. But I don't tend to play around too much with shutter speed. Well, I think sometimes people kind of fetishize shooting in manual. Like it's mm. the be all and end all of being a good photographer. But I think a lot of photographers don't actually just shoot in manual. Because you can set... On a decent camera, you can set different things to automatic... So I'll maybe have my focus as manual. I'll have my aperture as manual, but then my shutter speed will just be set to auto. Yeah, that's what um, I do. But generally, the way I shoot, I'll just take a ton of photos and eventually one will come out okay. <laughs> I think that's the best tip. <laughs> that's a brilliant tip. <laughs> I think I'm far from a professional photographer. I don't even know what most of the settings on my camera do. And I think if you ask anyone that's not a professional, I don't think they will either, I'm sure. I think you're right. I think we do fetishise it. I think we really, really do. But what about editing? Um, how much do you do? Do you like to do quite a lot of it in camera? Or do you like to... Or are you not fussed about, like, oh, okay, like, this is this is an okay shot, but I know I can um, brighten it up or whatever in yeah. the edit? I don't really do much editing, I suppose like, if I was doing landscapes, which I'm terrible at taking, I never take any landscape photos, I'd probably do a bit more. Yeah. Um, but with portraits and things, I don't really do much editing. I'll maybe stick it in, stick a photo into Lightroom, I'll brighten it, yeah. maybe do a bit of t- tinkering with it, but I don't really do much. So for Instagram, I usually just send photos straight from my camera to my phone and mm-hmm. edit in the Instagram app. Oh, do you? Yeah, I don't, Within I don't the Instagram use Lightroom app? on my phone. <gasps> Goodness, that is shocking. Yeah, I, I, I do very little editing of any photos, which is oh, probably wow. quite bad. No, not at all. You I don't could need to. Do more if I did edit, but I don't know. I think I think because you're you take a lot of pictures in natural light. Most of your pictures are in natural light, aren't they? So I think sometimes when you're doing that, you maybe you have to work a bit harder to get yeah. the right. I, I think I don't know. Like I'm not a professional true, photographer cause... either, but. If I do any photos at night, they take. They, they, I do actually usually have to edit them. Yeah. But still, not much. I'll just kind of do the basics. I basically don't take any pictures at night because of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I, can't I, do it. <laughs> I take a lot, but most of them do come out blurry and terrible. <laughs> there's always one that comes out okay. I learned this really cool thing because when I was traveling, I met a photographer who ended up being my wedding photographer, a very close friend of mine. Oh, I love your wedding photos as well. The ones I've seen on Instagram look amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you should you should follow her, Ruth. She's amazing. She, she takes the most beautiful pictures. Um, she taught me quite a lot when we were when we were traveling. And she taught me this really cool trick because she lived in Spain and she took pictures at clubs as well as doing wedding photography. And... She used to do this thing where she would... Oh, I'm going to have to remember it now because it's to do with shutter speed, which obviously I'm terrible at. But she would te- she would have the shutter speed, like, so it's super slow. And then she takes the picture and then moves it, moves the camera. So then you get a picture of a person in focus, but all the lights are swishy behind them. 
Oh, wow. That's been technical for me, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I just, so then I was constantly trying to do it. And when I got home and uh, downloaded my memory card, I was like, wow, there is a lot of really, really dodgy pictures. But I think I got a couple that were quite cool. Yeah, it's, I just find night photography really difficult because most yeah. of mine just end up like that, just blurry with yeah. kind of light lines everywhere. Well, you just have to have a tripod, don't you, for night Well, that's the thing. I've started traveling with a tripod, but it's just a pain to mm. kind of look it around, especially if you're on a short trip and you just want to take a small backpack or something. You don't really want to be carrying a tripod around with you. Let's talk equipment then. What do you? What's your camera and what's your tripod? So I shoot with a Fuji X-T10, which is kind of the more basic of the Fuji X series. Is it a DSLR or a mirrorless? No, it's a mirrorless. Oh, nice. So it's nice and compact, so you can kind of look it around with you mm-hmm. without taking up too much space. But it's kind of the entry-level one. Yeah. Um, I've had it for about three years now. I'm looking to upgrade. They've just released an X-T3, which I'm really keen on getting, but I just don't have the money to buy it at the moment. Um, I usually shoot with just the kit lens as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So I do have a kind of 23mm that I use on for a large street photography, just yeah. the prime lens. But they're quite expensive, so I just yeah. I haven't bought any more lenses. <laughs> yeah, prime lenses are expensive. And for anybody who doesn't know what a prime lens is, it's the one that you can't zoom on, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a fixed... It's fixed lens. Yeah. But 23mm, often people... So I have a 50mm that I shoot with, as well yeah. as my kit. But a 23mm, that's, is that like specifically for portraits? No, that's more for street photography because it's, a, Cause it's not, longer. I'm, I'm not very technical, so I might be wrong here. But it's kind of um, it's wider angle, so ah, you get more street scene. Got it. So I'm really keen to get a fifty just for portraits. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's something I'm going to pick up at some point. That's yeah. I find that to be just amazing for portraits. But funnily enough, I I very well not funnily enough because I never travel anymore. But I mostly use my Google my Pixel for everything oh really Mm, I do now I use my um, Olympus pen for like product shots if I'm doing if I'm doing anything specific like anything for the blog but I typically just use my pixel it's so good I think quite a lot of people just use the phone though Mm. because if you're just taking a street scene you don't necessarily need a good camera to take a good photo I agree with you and what about your tripod do you use one of those like Joby kind of gorilla tripods I've got like a small Joby one that I've I'm going to, I've only just bought it. I'm going to start using it for vlogging so I can kind of hold my camera at length. Yeah. Um, so on my next trip, I'm going to try vlogging. I don't know how it's going to go. But I've got like a travel Manfrotto one. So it's oh, kind of nice. um, telescopic. So it's about it's about the size of a carry-on suitcase in length. Yeah. And then you can kind of extend it to the height of a person. Yeah. So it gets good eye level kind of shots. Oh, wow. But so that is quite bulky then, isn't it, to carry around, I suppose? Yeah, so like if you put in your suitcase, it kind of takes up the full length of a mm. small suitcase. So, thinking about your blog and actually just your whole blogging journey, really, I know you haven't yeah. been doing it for a super long time, but um, I, I actually can't imagine what your answer is going to be to this. But have you had any stumbling blocks, any kind of negative parts of blogging that have shown up for you? For me, I haven't had anything kind of directly blogging related that's a stumbling block or that's negative but it's finding the time to blog around a full-time job is the thing that I struggle with most yeah um it's kind of coming home exhausted every day and you think I've just got to write this blog post but I just I'd rather just get in bed and watch Netflix yes (laughs) (laughs) 
I find kind of the way around it is to get up early in the morning and like maybe two hours early before work and you oh can sit goodness. and edit photos or something like that. And because then it doesn't matter if you're tired when you get home because you've already done your day's kind of blog work. Oh, that's hard though. That's so hard. I'm an early riser anyway though. So I'm oh, okay, just, fair enough. I would be awake. <laughs> <laughs> I could never do it after. I, I mean, I have never blogged around a full-time job. So I just don't, I'm always in awe of people when they when they do it and they do it successfully there's a few people who I'm friends with in the blogging community that do that and I just I just in awe yeah I don't know how well, you I, do don't, it. I don't know how people do it and manage to knock out a blog post a brilliantly written blog post every day and work full-time it just seems insane to me but you do a fair amount well yeah I try and do two blog posts a week that's a lot but because I'm not a, a writer it can take me a full week just to write a blog post because it just takes me so much time to put it together and try and make it sound readable. I think you're a really good writer. It's, I'm surprised but, that you say it doesn't come naturally to you because it doesn't. Oh read no, that way. It was, like English was always my least favourite subject or the one that I was struggled with. So I, can't, I find it hard just to sit down and write. Do you think it's maybe a story that you're telling yourself? Uh, no, it's just, I think it's the way I write. I just struggle to because I don't know. I kind of write in an analytical way. I'll kind of write down everything that I want to fit into a blog post and where in the blog post I want it to be and then I'll kind of slot it all together as I write it it's like paragraph at a time yeah which I've been told is the wrong way to write but I can't just sit down and do a kind of stream of consciousness blog post I get distracted too easily I am really surprised that anyone's told you that's the wrong way to write because that's also how I write oh great (laughs) (laughs) that's how I teach um that's how I teach how people should write their features as well when they get commissioned, because that's how I learned. Yeah, I mean, I can I can sometimes do a stream of consciousness for sure, but most of the time, and especially if it's a travel piece or if it's something I'm getting paid for or whatever, I plot it out beforehand. Oh, completely, because that way you gain every point that you want to make, yeah, everything you want to tell the reader, and then you can kind of make it flow better if you do that way, because you'll get every point you want to make in separate paragraphs and kind of slot it together with kind of what you want to transition between each point, I suppose. Yeah. Don't believe the person that told this to you because that's there's no there's no right or wrong way to write. <laughs> it's <laughs> nonsense. It's like saying you could like you're walking in the wrong way. It's yeah, no. If you get from A to B, <laughs> you've done it right. That's well that's my opinion anyway. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being part of the podcast, David. It's been well, a joy to speak to you. On. Where can everybody find you online? So everyone can find me. My blog is manversusglobe.com and on social media, I'm at manversusglobe on pretty much everything. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks for listening. You can find me at Lucy Lucraft everywhere. You can find old episodes of What She Said over at lucylucraft.com where you'll also find me chatting about all things blogging, travel, vegan life and zero waste living too. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what I'm going to ask you. (laughs) Please think about leaving a review for the show. It genuinely makes a massive difference to me. Um, And I really, really appreciate every single review you leave. I read every single one. They're really, really kind. And sometimes they even have a little cry when I read them because they're just so, so lovely. I respect and admire and appreciate every single one of you whether you leave a review or not I just I love that you listen and reach out and tweet me and whatever and just remember that every review that you leave I give two pounds to charity the charity this month is endometriosis uk 